It's the final hour of the Morning Blitz with Rick Corey. Brought to you by Chris Nickel Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram. We want you to get involved right now on the Neuropathy Clinic of Oklahoma text line at 918-262-5072. Or on the phone line at 918-879-1170. Love to hear from you. 756 here on the Blitz 1170. Bryce Hall smiling in the next room because I didn't do the stupid thing there. I'm Rick Corey in here, and uh, we do have that text line available at 918-262-5072. The Neuropathy Treatment Clinic of Oklahoma text line, always available to you here inside the Tulsa Oilers studio. All right, thanks again to Ryan Aber for being with us. That's a, we have a lot of stuff to cover with Jacob Lacey and, you know, uh, who's going to be out for spring. And, you know, Coach Venables was on um, with uh, Teddy yesterday, and uh, I can't remember, JR, I think. Uh, uh, and that's they were talking about the the things they're going to be looking at and facing because we're not that far from spring football, you know. And really, I when there's spring football when it comes to Oklahoma, it's all to me about Jackson Arnold and just the continued fit for the young man. He started down there, of course, in the bowl game. You lost to Arizona, but a really good Arizona team, and he did have a struggle or two. But look, it was a first time. So how does that progression happen? How does he have practice in the spring? I mean, it's spring ball, so it's going to probably look good. But to me, that's a whole lot of what you do. Is you got to watch his interaction, I think, his leadership, and just overall how it looks like he's beginning to kind of develop in that position. Something he knows how to play, but it's different when you get to college as much as it is when you get to the NFL. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think it's one of those things where the talent and everything is obviously there right and oh, yeah. so it's a matter of letting everything else fall into place and again like you said how how his leadership skills are and things of that nature we saw an enough upside uh, in that bowl game mm-hmm. the Alma bowl so oh yeah you know that I mean, it can it can fall into place pretty quickly he, he dropped some dimes and he can it's just you got to it's a decision process at that point mm-hmm. about where you do and don't throw the ball so many times when you're a high schooler with that kind of talent you know you can fit that in that window but that yeah. window gets smaller <laughs> when mm-hmm. you get to the Big 12 or anywhere else for that matter. Uh, so I, to me, that's a whole lot of it. In your mind, how big is the loss of Jacob Lacey? Uh, in terms of depth, I think it hurts a little bit just because I thought OU was, was very good in being able to rotate a lot of depth at the defensive line position. Um, so in, in terms of really trying to uh, – kind of help alleviate some of the the stress and conditioning on a lot of those guys mm-hmm. it'll certainly be a task for their very young but very talented group coming in because uh, at the defensive line position I think they've done very well for this upcoming class and kind of bulking up that deep defensive line room uh, so they might have to grow up a little bit quicker than they they anticipated and well i do think that it does make a difference and you heard brian say he's just a guy that got kind of got adopted in they really liked him he made a difference you know sometimes guys make as big a difference in that clubhouse or in that locker room as they do on the field you know all great players aren't great leaders you might follow them because of how they play and they may set yeah. an example by how they work and all those things but they could be very quiet people you know charles clay was one of those guys charles clay was a quiet young man now, he, you know, he he had friends and that kind of thing, certainly on the team, but Charles Clay was a quiet kid. He just went in and did his work. But you watched him play, and it was just like, my God. That got him to the NFL, he, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, for a long time, right. Mm-hmm. And he made a lot of money doing it. But, you you know, in the locker room, he was the quietest young guy. Now, I've been around guys, too, who come in, and they are leaders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, some guys lead by being loud. Some guys lead just by being leaders. And when you get in the locker room with someone like you know, someone who's good, but at the same time as a great teammate, I do think it makes a really big difference. Now, I wonder, you know, blood clots, okay, he can't play. 
I wonder if he'll, you know, hang around, be with the team most of the year. You know, a lot of times you'll see a guy like this become a GA, if you will, or a QA, yeah. and at least be there to help offer that guidance. Yeah, that could be an opportunity, right, for him to be kind of an assistant mm-hmm. for the team. Almost, uh, yeah. In, in some ways. And again, that would be a testament, I think, to this staff uh, and just what they're trying to build in terms of him being comfortable enough to really be like, no, this is my team through and through, and I want to do something yeah. like that. Well, you know, Brent, has, Brent Venables has made it very clear that he wants everyone to feel that way. Mm-hmm. And if you're not that way, then why would you be in the locker room, right? And, yeah. and he's and he said that yesterday on the podcast. So, And I'm working to try to get him. <laughs> I am. I have I have put in message after message. We're working to try to get Brent or somebody from down there and also trying to get Skip Johnson. Uh, so we can yeah. talk a little, ba- a little baseball because that pitching staff of theirs is just nasty. Mm. And I expect certainly that they're going to get better and better as the year goes along. All right, it's 8 here on the Blitz 1170. Uh, if you'd like to let us know, I mean, if you're a Sooner fan, what do you think Jacob Lacey will cost not having him there? 918-262-5072. That is the Neuropathy Treatment Clinic of Oklahoma text line. All right, I mentioned this NFL Players Association study, and I find this absolutely enthralling is they asked the players in, quote-unquote, private ballot. You ever had one of those at work? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, fill this out uh, or send back this email. Oh, oh, no, no. It's completely, it's 100% anonymous. anonymous. It's not a big deal. Have you ever believed that? Mm. I I, th- I don't think I would probably believe it. I, I think I just didn't care that much whenever you had to do it in school. <laughs> whenever you had to do it in school, you had to do those little uh, yeah, surveys. Yeah, I'm talking about a job. Yeah, that's the thing. I haven't really had to do that in a job. Just I have. And, there's, and I have never met a single human who believes it's anonymous. Yeah. As a matter of fact, there was one. <laughs> oh, man. There was one, uh, and this wasn't that long ago, probably about three and a half, four years ago, where they they did that thing where you hire a company to come in and we want to make sure everybody's happy and we want to evaluate the, you know how things are going. Fun. So they ask every yep yeah, right. And so <laughs> they ask everybody their opinion and they said completely completely anonymous. Don't worry about it. You just email this back. It's going to mix the IPs. No one's going to know, right? No one's going to know. So they got responses. And they were exactly what they didn't want. Mm. And as soon as those responses came in, Certain people had private meetings. Lord. Yeah. And uh, and then uh, in a group setting, there was a meeting, and I'm sitting there just being quiet because, A, when I get those, I don't fill them out because I know it's <laughs> I'm not, not falling I'm into this. I'm not falling. <laughs> right, exactly. So I'm sitting there not worried too much, you know, worried too much about it, but there was a pretty general consensus about a few people, as there generally will be. And the person leading the meeting then starts just giving quotes right off the stuff that was supposed to be anonymous. Mm. And it got really uncomfortable really fast because a lot of it was about one person. Yeah, no, thank you. So I find this really interesting. Now, here's one of the reasons I find it fascinating. NFL players make enough money, have enough job security through contracts. I don't think they care. I think most of them are just going to tell the truth. They're going to say what they think. For sure. So to find out who they like, what who they don't like, what they like, and what they don't like, to me, is just enthralling. So I'm looking right now at everybody's scores, and I thought it was really interesting that they named owners in here. I don't know how many players really interact with owners. 
you you know who that is, and if you're a star, especially, you know who that is, and they've probably mm. interacted with you, if nothing else, just to get a picture, <laughs> uh, believe it or not, right? <clears throat> so I was really interested to see. I, I wonder how many really do that, but then there are people in here who got a lot of A's. There are a lot that aren't either. There were three total F's for owners in the league. Have you seen this does, study? Does that include a F minus as well? It does. Just all, okay. So had you seen it? Uh, I, I saw who ranked last. Clark Hunt <laughs> of the Chiefs got an F minus. An F minus. Now, Lamar Hunt's family is legendary in football. They brought the Chiefs oh, yeah. to Kansas City. They started the Dallas Texans. They, they were, I mean, there's legendary. And he gets an F minus. What kind of a person do you have to be to get an F minus as an owner? Well, it makes me wonder... Is that just the way it is when it comes to players and their relationship with the owners? Well, there's it, only three it, Fs. And, and that's that's the thing. Is That was before I, I saw that. I thought, I mean, may, maybe it's just the case of just players are just hard to gel with the owners because it's just, uh, they, you know, they, you don't really understand our side uh, of this, you know. And so it's just, it's normal to not really be a fan of the owner. But there are a lot of A's in there, so... There sure are. So the Chiefs are last at F-. minus. The Steelers get an F. I mean, and that's a legendary family. Mm-hmm. They get an F. The Cardinals get an F, but that's Bill Bidwell's son, Michael, and mm-hmm. Bill himself was a different cat, <laughs> and Michael apparently not very different. Tampa Bay gets a D-, minus. Carolina gets a D. New England gets a D+, plus, and that's Robert Kraft. Indianapolis gets a C. The Chargers get a C. Let's see. Let's go back up here. Let's find, shall we? Uh, let's start with the. Well, let's get. Let's just get to the A's. And I will tell you that Dallas gets a B. It's pretty so solid. Jerry Jones. Yeah, Jerry Jones gets a B. Your A owners: the Bills with an A minus, the Falcons with an A minus, the Niners with an A minus, then the Ravens, the Eagles, the Broncos, the Jags. And Green Bay with A's, and then Minnesota and Miami at A plus. As a matter of fact, across the board, the Miami Dolphins, every category was an A. An A plus for owner, an A for head coach, an A for team travel, an A for strength coaches, A plus for weight room, A minus for training staff, A for training table as well. And hang on, I got to scroll back the other way. Uh, they also got an A for uh, treatment of families, food, cafeteria, nutrition, dietitian, and locker room. I get that it's just one side of it. Maybe that personality of Mike McDaniel. I mean, I wonder how far that goes. Maybe that new that new wave of head coaching styles. Well, but, it, I mean, that's only one thing. You still but, all that that's other that's stuff. The thing. He I, doesn't affect the training staff or the training room or the weight room, although, I mean, he may have some, you know, he obviously mm-hmm. would have some hiring firing issues there. Uh, the treatment of families one. I thought was really interesting as well. So part of that is, let's say that you have daycare there for the kids. So what if, you know, what if mom works too? And what if dad has to have a place to put them? Or what uh, during a game when the family's there? What if there's what if there's child care? Well, Minnesota gets an A for that. The Dolphins get an A. The Niners get an A. The Cowboys get an A for that too. Let's go to the F's, shall we? Pittsburgh, New England, Cincinnati, Washington, Tampa and the Chargers all get F's for the treatment of families. The Jets and Cleveland, Jacksonville, Indianapolis, the Rams, the Chiefs, the Cardinals, the Titans, New Orleans, and Denver all get D's. 
There are a lot of bad grades when it comes to treatment of families from the NFL. Now, part of this could be just a guy thinks he needs or deserves something he doesn't, you know, really deserve mm-hmm. or nerve. And let's be honest, they make money so they can afford child care if they want it. But I still thought this part was pretty interesting as we go mm-hmm. through. I mean, you can look at the whole thing. It's easy to find. It's under NFL Players Association if you want to look it up and see how your team ranks. If you just click on your individual team, for instance, I'll go find there and click on Dallas. It'll just tell me everything in their report card. So you'll be able to break it all down. So they 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 actually got mostly good grades. The Cowboys got a bad grade in training staff at a D plus, and nowadays yeah, you really can't have that. Past that, they got a C in the training room and they got a C in team travel. I wonder why. I wonder if somebody doesn't like what they give them on the plane. It could it could come down to that, right? It could come it down can. to just the and most it, simplest thing. Now, have you ever been in an airport and you've seen a team's plane? And you can tell because it's painted up for them. Mm, no, I haven't seen that. I've seen it multiple times because a lot of times, of course, when you're traveling charter in football, you me may park next to them. Or yeah. I think we were leaving. Where was it we were leaving? It was a couple of years ago, and Jeremy went, hey, look, there's the Grizzlies plane. And it might have been Memphis, you know, mm-hmm. as we were pulling in and out of Memphis to play Memphis in football. I don't remember. But you do see them occasionally. And the, the ones that always impressed me the most, believe it or not, were NHL. Ooh. Yep. Okay. Matter of fact, T basketball under Danny Manning, uh, and then, well, under Doug Wojcik before that, and then under Danny, Doug had a thing he called the Admirals Club, and they actually got money from uh, donors to be able to travel like that so you didn't have to go commercial. Because traveling, is, if you don't travel in charter in basketball, it's ridiculously hard. So you, let's say you have a Thursday, Saturday. Well, then you leave on Wednesday, and you're not back till Sunday. And if you're a college player and a college student, yeah, <laughs> air quotes, athlete. Air quotes. The, then that's a lot of time to be gone. It's a lot of time just to be out of your own world and doing different sure. things and in and out of hotels and traveling constantly and all those things. You charter and you leave Wednesday and you play Thursday and you're home Thursday night and you're home Friday and you might leave again Friday afternoon. And that might sound like it's worse in some instances, but it's really not. The charters get you there and back pretty quickly. So they'd actually started to charter under Doug, and they continued that under Danny. Well, Danny, I don't know how they found it, but one of our charters was an NHL charter. And smaller plane, uh, not the full size, you know, seven thirty seven type thing, uh, smaller plane, but an NA, but it had been used and owned by an NHL club. Yeah. And it was nice. <laughs> I mean, it was it was an older plane. It hadn't been. It wasn't used by them anymore. But it had been basically ordered, built, and for an NHL team. And I, I never found out who because they were kind of you know eh, it was kind of yeah. a gray area about what they told you. But it was different than the other things you chartered. In. Made them feel like NBA players. <laughs> it was it was really nice. Yeah, and it, you know, again, it was a little bit older, but the seats were really big, and the leg room was mm-hmm. nice, and some of the other amenities in there were really nice. And when you're traveling constantly, and in college basketball, especially January, February, holy cow. Yeah. Man, that is, you know, that, oh, that is tough. In long ways in Conference USA and the uh, American. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. Well, and for anybody. I mean, if yeah. you're in the Big 12 now, you're going to fly to right. Central Florida, mm-hmm. right? you got to go places. you got to go to West Virginia. Geography is out yeah. the window. <laughs> and when you know, when Colorado and, and Utah and Oregon, and, and pardon me, Arizona, Arizona State, so you're going to have to go from mm-hmm. Utah, from Salt Lake to Morgantown. When, when USC is going to Piscataway, New Jersey for a <laughs> October conference game. Yeah. Or, the, you know, or if you're BYU, <laughs> going to Central Florida, oh, you know. 
know, those kinds of things. So, yeah, Tulsa's been traveling a long time for a long way because you Mm -hmm. had Marshall uh, and you had UCF and you had USF and, you know, that kind of thing. And even in the the WAC days, yeah, you went to Hawaii every now and then and you had teams all over the place too. But the way it was sectioned out in the the grids worked really well, which is, you know, everybody said, well, that's stupid. You can't do it. Now we're all doing it. Doing the very same thing again that they were doing at that point. At that point, before they let that get away from them, but it does make a difference. It makes a huge difference. But I, I wonder in the NFL, you would just assume in the NFL, wouldn't you just assume travel's great? Oh yeah, you, you you'd assume that they would get you know like the creme de la creme of whatever they need. <laughs> I would think, and I again, I don't know what they're complaining about because I, I haven't. Do you think actually, some of it comes from spite? Do you think that some of it is it just absolutely could? I mean, just your biases. Because even with the Washington Commanders, you know, they they again ranked last overall in all of that uh, for I don't know how many times in a row now. And it's like, look, they have some pretty rough management issues and and changing some things up there, but. You know, you, I wonder if for a lot of it just has to come up with, it if could. you're just not happy in your situation, yeah. you're going to see things through a different lens. Yeah, and I, I scrolled down on Dallas to travel, and it says they're 22nd, they get a C-. minus. It says 72% of the players feel like they have a comfortable amount of personal space during flights. Only, And that's still a good percentage at 72. Yeah. But I, didn't, I hadn't thought of this. They're one of out of the Cowboys are one of seven teams that require at least some of their players to have a roommate the night before a game. So they're complaining that they had to actually have a roommate. Okay, I understand they're adults and they're NFL players. But you're kind of grasping? Is that what you're saying? Well, if you're there for a business trip and you're really only going to do what you're supposed to do, which is, you know, go through your walkthrough or whatever, play a game and come home, is it that big a deal? No, it shouldn't be. I've I've never well that's not true. During the Talons time, I didn't have to have a roommate. They just got me a room of my own. I, I think it's because nobody wanted a room with a broadcaster. <laughs> <laughs> not, not that I would blame them. Uh, we've always had that on the road with football and basketball, you know. So yeah. I mean, I, I it's never bothered me. I don't see anything about it. But uh, you know, I guess if only seven teams require it, then I can see why maybe younger guys or rookies mm-hmm. or whatever. You know, you just might not want. I mean, and you don't know either, because you know, if you room with that weird guy, <laughs> I room with a guy once. One. one time, never showered. We traveled all day, and then when we landed, I left to go with everybody to set stuff up at the at the at the stadium, plus mm-hmm. to go ahead and have dinner. Right. So I get back, and I'm still back before the other guy who had a job. Part of his job was going out and taking boosters places. So he was taking boosters all over the place. So uh, I've come back, and, and it's probably 10, 10, 15. I get back, and I take my shower, and I go to bed. and I'm Because I cannot, I cannot sleep if I don't shower, if I'm not clean. I can't. So I take my shower, and I go to bed. And I don't know, 11, 20 or so, clunk, the door opens loud. The light comes on loud. The light comes on in the bathroom. Um, but only for a <clears throat> relief, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> he went in and, you know. Anyway, uh, and then uh, he comes out, didn't hear toothbrushes, didn't hear anything else, comes out, still in his clothes, just sheds them to the underwear, throws the clothes in the corner, right in the bed. Mm. Next day, he's got a job to do again. He's going to go with the boosters, right? Now, we normally leave pretty early uh, for the broadcast crew to get out there so our SID will take us and we'll be at it, we'll be ahead of the team. So I figured I'd be on gone before him. He was up about the same time I was, went right back to the same clothes that were in the corner, picked them up out of the corner, put them back on, mm. out, gone. And that was it cuz I was checking out of the room. 
It got worse. It did. <laughs> it did. And I, I mean, I, I just, I'm sitting there and finishing getting dressed to leave. And I just, I, I do you did say he have something? bags with him? Did he? No. <laughs> what? He did not. Okay. Now it's just getting wild. He did not. And I, yeah, okay. Look, it, what did I am, he travel with? I'm a guest. I get that. I'm there for a job, but I'm a guest. And I'm on the charter. I am not going to bitch to anybody. But I did think about going to our trav- our ops guy at the time and going, you know, if you wouldn't mind. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. But I kind of want to file now, a complaint. <laughs> if you're an NFL player, I, mean, I, I, I probably wouldn't bother you, I guess. But I, there would be something people would do. Like, you ever, have you ever room with somebody who's ridiculously loud? Uh, I'm sure I have. I can't oh. think of a certain situation. But One of my roommates, God rest his soul, was... <laughs> He was the loudest human on the planet, man. And I don't know that he knew it. It Slamming drawers and doors and flipping on lights and turning the TV on real loud, no matter what the situation was. One of those where, and you know what? I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to, just going to, you know. And I had to be up at four in the morning to do shows. And he'd be, he'd be up at 11 o'clock at night watching financial channels and things like that, having it turned up. And then he'd fall asleep over there, but the TV would still be loud and the light would still be on. And I would reason, I I know one time at least I I reached over and I flipped off the light and I turned off the TV, right? And then about two in the morning, I hear something and I jar awake and he's just turned the light and the TV back on. He's awake again. So, so he's he's not only just a background noise guy. He's like a chaos in the oh, background. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Are, 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 are you like lights out? Just not, like is that the best way for you? Lights I, out, no noise. I can I can sleep I without am. it. I, I mean, I can sleep either way because I you know have a family. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm used <laughs> to learned. going. Yeah, and I'm used to going to bed a little earlier than they do. So there was always other noise. It's never mm. bothered me. Uh, and I wasn't going to say anything to him because he was you know kind of a legendary old dude. But but he was just he had no clue for the fact he was ridiculously loud <laughs> no self-awareness no he didn't and i never said anything to him so i you know from the standpoint of those things if you're an nfl player and you kind of feel like maybe okay i get to pick this then maybe that's why so only seven teams require roommates for at least some of those players just some of the things you can find at nfl players association yeah you have a story about a roommate let me know at 918-262-5072 it's our neuropathy treatment clinic of oklahoma text line we are in the tulsa Oilers studio that is bryce Hall. i'm rick Corey. we still have to come did you see what kayla Williams made at USC. <laughs> he made more dollars than wins. Uh, I'll tell you about that. And then we may have some changes to bowl season. We'll see how you feel about that coming up here on the Blitz. The Oklahoma State Cowboys call the Blitz 1170 home. From the Oklahoma Sports Desk, it's time for a two-minute drill on the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app. You heard the OSU Cowboys on the Blitz last night as they lost to UCF 77-71. That guarantees a losing record in the regular season as the Cowboys fall to 12-16. and John Michael Wright led the Cowboys with 22 points. Next up for the Pokes, it will be at Texas on Saturday. The OU men's basketball team fell to the 8th-ranked Iowa State Cyclones 58-45. to Rivaldo Soares is the leading scorer for the Sooners with 9 points. Next up for OU, they'll host former Sooners coach Kelvin Sampson and top-ranked Houston Saturday night at the LNC. And the Oklahoma City Thunder carry a six-game winning streak into San Antonio tonight as they'll take on the Spurs. OKC is 2-0 so far this season against San Antonio. Tip-off is at 7.30. That's the Winter World of Tulsa 2-Minute Drill. I'm Bryce Holson on the Boots 1170 and streaming on the Boots 1170 app. (laughs) 
This is the Morning Blitz with Rick Corey. Want to get in the game? Call us up at 918-879-1170. We want to hear from you. My mind went off and bought a lunch I couldn't pay for right there. I have no idea what I was thinking. I thought maybe you were thinking it was Friday for a second. I almost said, yeah, yeah. Thunder Friday night, and it's not a Thunder Friday night. It is 823, though, on other Friday. That's what we call Thursday here in the Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studio. Thanks once again to Ryan Aber, our OU Insider. Catch the podcast with Ryan. You'll be able to hear everything we talked about. The Loves Field, Patty Gasso, uh, her getting emotional, talking about Marita Hines Field. Um, we'll talk football. Jacob Lacey's retiring. Um, a little bit about that. A little, a lot about basketball and Porter Moser's team and where they're going and Jeannie Branchek's team. All that, if you're an Oklahoma fan, find that on our podcast. You'll be able to do that, of course, at theblitztulsa.com. And we also stream on the Blitz 1170 app. Um, I don't know if you saw this or not, but Lance Leipold has once again gotten a raise. Apparently, Kansas wants to give him an average salary, salary now of more than $7 million a year. That would put him top three in the Big 12. He, of course, has the back-to-back bowl seasons. The school has prioritized keeping him. And as just being around him at the Big 12 last year, just one of the nicest, most unassuming guys you will ever meet. We embarrassed the crap out of him when I said, hey, when's the last time you moved Bill Self over for a picture? <laughs> he just he turned red. He was really, I mean, he could not have been nicer, actually. Seems like one of the guys, right? He like, does. He kind of falls he, into wherever he, he's talking to. You know, when you got Daniels coming back, which really for him was probably a really smart thing to do. Sure. Still, if he didn't like the direction of the program, he wouldn't have done that. Oh, no, not at all. Um, I think that they've done a really good job of uh, finding some security in terms of keeping Leipold and keeping Daniels and really keeping the mission the same, right, of what they want Kansas football to be about, and it's on the right path. And when would you thought in history you'd be able to say Kansas wants to pay their head football coach $7 million a year? Uh, I mean, I could never imagine it, honestly. And especially even with Leipold coming in, I was getting – uh, Turner Gill flashbacks just because of him coming from Buffalo. I mean, I, I thought that, you know, if over the past, what was it, four head coaches that they've probably gone through in 14 years or so, um, you know, I'll just wait and see who can do it. And Lance Leipold has done it so far. You know, when, when Les Miles went there, I think there were a lot of people who thought, all right, he's had his issues. But you know what? This Maybe he'll figure it out here. Mm-hmm. Well... <clears throat> That turned left when it stuff. was yeah. <laughs> that turned left when it was supposed to turn right. So that mm. didn't go well. Mangino had it kind of rolling a little bit, and you felt pretty good about that. Yeah, Lance seems like the kind of guy with what they're going to do to the stadium and all those kinds of things. You know, and honestly, without Oklahoma and Texas, yes, I think Oklahoma State's going to have a lot to say about the Big Twelve. I think mm. Utah's going to have a lot to say about the Big Twelve. I'm not sure Prime and Colorado will get there. They might. They're going to be there for fun and flash. I think Arizona for right now. Sure. On what happens without fish, how they how they play. But I, I do think right now the Big 12 is one that you can look at and say, all right, there's some establishment like Oklahoma State who's been – I mean, look at the consistency there. You can't deny mm-hmm. it. But we have a chance as good as anybody else to be right there in that one, two, three for a long time. Yeah, and I think they've done a really good job of trying to invest in football for mm-hmm. once. Yeah. Um, and even in that first turnaround year that Lance Leipold had – you know, they kind of fell off towards the tail end, lost in the bowl game to Arkansas and finished just below 500. But this past year, I think you saw more bright spots with the upset of OU and mm-hmm. um, very close to winning in Stillwater, very close to winning in the Sunflower Showdown. They were they were competing a lot more in some of those big-time yeah. games and were able to capitalize sometimes. So I think it's good to look for 
towards the future when you have that under your belt a little bit. I do too. Uh, and I I just thought it was encouraging if you're a Kansas fan. I mean, in athletics, they're certainly basketball. It's a basketball school. We know that. It's still a basketball school. Yeah. Um, and unless, you know, Bill retires and it falls off a cliff, which I would really think would be difficult to imagine, uh, <clears throat> then, you know, even if they do what Duke is doing right now, when Duke is playing, I mean, Duke's fine. They're ranked. But, I, I mean, I've watched them a good – I mean, they're not going to make a deep run in the tournament, in my opinion. And unless they – you know, and even what Duke is doing, which is not winning national championships for quite a while, they haven't fallen off the table, and I don't think Kansas will either. So I don't think it's going to become a football school, but if you were able to get that consistently like he's doing now and go to bowl games every year and some bowl games of merit every year along with what's happening in basketball, then then it's a good time to be a Jayhawk. Yeah, well, and right now anything's better than being the doormat, right? I mean, <laughs> I, it's really incredible to think. Uh, I remember growing up and first learning from – I think I was I think I was eating with my dad and my uncle before a game one time. We were watching Kansas State and Baylor, mm-hmm. and they talked about how terrible Kansas State was. And they were and like the '80s and stuff, and uh-huh. just like some of the stuff they said, I was like, "Well, that's not true, right?" Because you know, look at how good they are now. Like they're actually a respectable level. And then I went on to live in the next ten years of my life with that exact same thing happening with Kansas, to where it's almost unbelievable sometimes when you think about just how bad they've been. So did you ever look up any of the Kansas State's old football to realize how bad that was? I saw a really cool video one time about Bill Snyder's run, mm-hmm. uh, you know, from that 92 to 2005 range. I think it was it probably came out right when he retired, and then a couple of years later they were like, all right, we need you to come back now. And he came back and finished his time there. But there was a clip in particular. Uh, it might have been when his first couple of years there where they broke a losing streak against – North Texas. They had lost probably 15 games in a row or something like that, and they beat North Texas on a last-second play, and they rushed the field. Yes. And I was just amazed by, wow, how far you've come from that. In 87, when Tulsa was coached by George Henshaw, and they were horrible, Mm -hmm. they had one of the two wins of the year was in Manhattan over Kansas State, and it was a 37-25 win. And that was a bad Tulsa team. It's like, that's pretty convincing. Tulsa had beaten Temple. Uh, Brett Adams had a fantastic day that day, and he beat Temple. And what, what was what I'll never forget about the Manhattan game, it was you pulled up to the stadium then, and it was kind of a rust bucket, and, and it was 11 a.m. It was an 11 a.m. game because these weren't good teams. Mm-hmm. And I, and <laughs> the night out before, let's just say, had been interesting in Aggieville. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> roll into the stadium for an 11 a.m. with a 10 o'clock start time and be there early and set everything up and get rolling. And and it, I was great. I was fine. But, man, some of the crew. <laughs> was, the, was the sun a little bit brighter? <laughs> Not for some of them. quite the same as you roll into the smell of the eggs and sausage. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> that was a bad bad Kansas State team. They mm-hmm. they were doormats. Now, you said doormat of the league. Who's going to be the doormat of the Big 12 next year in football? Oh, this year. Uh, maybe right now I'd probably bet on Cincinnati. Uh, they've been pretty terrible. Um, so I'd probably have to say Cincinnati just based on their first year, and they don't really have a whole lot uh, immediately changing right now. And again, doormat, it's, it's still a level up than the doormat that we've been used to for the past 10 years. But if I had to pick one, I'd probably say Cincinnati off the top of my head. Uh, Arizona State might fall in there too. Well, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Depending. I mean, they have... They, every time I, I love their head coach, but, it, but yeah, it's true. <laughs> they've well, not been... 
And when you think of them, you think, look, that's Arizona State, man. That's a team that's going to be, well, we said it before, they're, they're, they're a capital P team. Potential. All the money, all the stuff, everything you need, big market, blah, 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 and they're still horrid. <laughs> at least they haven't. I mean, they've okay, they've been 7-5 and five okay at times, but they also yeah. have, in this league coming in, where you've got you know, Colorado, depending on what happens, could be right in there too. Uh, and I don't think UCF's going to have that happen to them. You know, we'll see what, what happens with Gus and his team. Uh, I think they'll be fine. But I think of Cincinnati, I think of Arizona State, I think of possibly Colorado, depending on how things go for mm-hmm. Prime, that they could have that issue. I don't expect Arizona or Utah to struggle a lot coming in. Yeah. But the others, possibly. <clears throat> and I don't we know what... We learned we had to pump the brakes with Colorado, right? I mean, yeah. I think that's the biggest thing about them. Yeah, and I don't know what... I really don't know what BYU's going to bring next year. I mean, they, they, you know, they... Yeah. they they dug on near beat Oklahoma up there. Jackson Arnold had just come in to play that first game, and they had the you know if it weren't for mm-hmm. the pick, the pick six, the long oh pick gosh. six, that is a different contest. Yeah, think about that, and then the you give up an eighteen point lead in Stillwater. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's a huge flip from seven and five to five and seven. It is. There's no question about that. So those are interesting things. All right, so we got past what we were going to do, but we'll do it when we come back. Caleb Williams and what he made at USC, and uh, some things that might be changing in bowl week, and also already in the playoffs. We've got some of those notes coming back here on the Blitz eleven seventy at eight thirty two. Your new home for the Dallas Cowboys is the Blitz 1170. From the Oklahoma Sports Desk, it's time for a two-minute drill on the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app. OU women's basketball team are back-to-back Big 12 champions after beating third-ranked Texas last night 71-70. It's their 12th win in the last 13 games. When the Sooners were down 70-68, it was Lexi Key's three-pointer that saved the day. Rebound. Keys for three. Good! Wow! Lexi Keys! And the TU women are tied at the t- atop the AAC standings now after beating Temple 76-67. Tamara Poindexter and Delaney Crawford combined for 54 points. Next up for the Hurricane, they'll host SMU on Saturday. That's the Winter World of Tulsa 2-Minute Drill. I'm Bryce Holson on the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app. The Blitz 1170 weather provided by Community Care, your locally owned health plan. Blitzing up your mornings. This is the Morning Blitz with Rick Corey. Want to get in the game? You can always join in by texting us at 918-262-5072. It's the Neuropathy Treatment Clinic of Oklahoma text line here. On the Blitz 1170. Bryce Olson in the next room. I'm Rick Corey. I was telling Bryce stories off the air <laughs> about some travels to Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Where uh, Have you been to Aggieville in Manhattan? No, I haven't. Yeah, the, I little, just, the little apple? I know what it's like, kind of yeah. layout of it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a college area, right? I mean, it's yeah. it's what you see in other places. And at Ole Miss, it's the square where we were a couple of years ago, you know, and you got some cool restaurants and bars and things like that. And at Ole Miss, it's a little bit different because they've got the courthouse right there too, which is, you know, hey, so you, you mess up here, you're right there. Um, <laughs> and in Aggieville, it's a little bit different in Manhattan. Now, this was a long time ago I was there, but there were stories. Let's just say there were stories. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I think I've said this before, but uh, – because we ended up at a bowling alley very, very, very early in the next morning, Saturday morning. Remember, this is an 11 o'clock game, right? And it's like 2.30 in the morning. We're at a bowling alley. And there's a long, there's a reason why uh, we're at a bowling alley. And one of our traveling members sees a claw machine and decides, cool, I want to play the claw machine. So he goes over and plays the claw machine and wins a giant pair of fuzzy dice. Ah. And the, the kind that, you know, so it's got the string between it. And they were, 
they were easily four inches across square on either side, and they happened to be blue and gold. Oh, nice. So back then we chartered, and I can't remember the name of the charter, but it was an old 707. So it was a big, huge airplane. The airplane would hold th about 300 people. And back then you were traveling with your traveling squad, plus much, much fewer than we do now. And you probably put, I don't know, maybe 100 on it. So where everybody had a road to themselves, that kind of thing. It was a monstrous airplane. And we were getting on the airplane the next day to leave. And one of the traveling members, I don't remember who it was, handed it to the pilot and goes, hey, hang these in the windshield. And he did. <laughs> nice. And from that point forward, he kept those. And anytime we chartered, they hung those in the window. Cool. So we'd be pull we'd pull up we pull up to get on the plane next road trip and there's the fuzzy dice hanging from the window, the front windshield yeah. of the old seven oh seven. And I do think eventually one of our traveling party got those back and had them in their office for the longest time. I, nice. I don't I don't know the the story of where they eventually went later, but I was just telling Bryce some of the stuff I can't say on the air, off the air. <laughs> and now Bryce never, ever wants to travel with a team. Uh, uh, he is Bryce Hall. I'm Rick Corey here in the uh, Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studio. Uh, you can join us anytime on the Neuropathy Treatment Clinic of Oklahoma text line at 918-262-5072. All right, so you have found a story about Caleb Williams. So we knew when he went to SC that he was going to make NIL. We knew that because that's they're just set up for that. And he got his first deal with Beats, and we saw all that kind of thing. But you found a story about how much he actually might have made. Yeah, it is reported that he has probably made in his two years uh, with USC, he's accumulated $10 million. In NIL uh, stuff. In NIL. Is that all money I, or is that also stuff? I, I think that's mainly money. And when you think about, you know, his his commercials with Wendy's, um, being with Dr. Pepper, mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, you think about that situation too with Dr. Pepper, they really... When the NIL era first started, they hitched their wagon to DJ Uyagalele, mm -hmm. and that didn't really go over yeah, well. And then they found they, the golden horse. They unhitched. And Caleb, <laughs> yeah, they unhitched and found Caleb Williams. And I don't think any of us, it's obviously a big number. I, I think we can see how it happens. But this is what I think about when it comes to his NFL career. And you talk about, I think we talked a little bit about it a couple of days ago. The pay cut he'll have to take. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, just him being ready for the NFL, obviously it's a new game in terms of the on-field on play. But, man, when you think about everything that comes with it in terms of the celebrity aspect mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, even just monetizing that, I think that's something that high-level players like him, that that's no longer that big of a leap anymore when it comes to going from NCAA to NFL. Obviously, the level of play is going to change, mm -hmm. but when we talk about him being ready for all the things that come with it and can he handle you know, all eyes being on him and all these different deals that you know, are going to come his way and all the money, it's like you're already getting most of that now when it comes to just playing college football mm -hmm. these days. So it's, just, it's an interesting uh, thing that kind of changes, or I guess the lack of change now when it comes to NCAA to NFL when you're at the level of Caleb Williams. So my, my, my question is, and, and I've actually seen this in a couple of instances where people said, you know, here's a guy who's a really good college player who probably isn't going to be a high draft pick. He will make more as a senior staying in NIL than he would if he were to try to go to the league. So you could actually make more in college. 
Mm-hmm. And especially, I mean, not a Caleb Williams because he's going to get a really big contract, and we know that. Yeah. But there are guys out there who can actually make more as seniors in their NIL deal than they could if they tried to get into the NFL. So why not stay one more year to refine yourself? Maybe have your, give yourself a better chance and actually make more cash. Well, that's especially changed, I think, in college basketball. Again, when you look yeah. at guys like Zach Eady, yeah. Armando Baycott, Hunter Dickinson. I mean, Hunter Dickinson has had a I'm staying at school over mm-hmm. the NBA draft post like all four years that he's been in college yep. because, you know, he was looked at as a, a high recruit coming into college, a guy that we thought maybe would leave early. But in the NIL age, you know, if you're looking at a late first round pick, you know, I mean, heck, why not stay, accumulate yep. some more cash <clears throat> and work on your game a little bit more? There's more security there. And I think that that's ultimately a positive in the NIL era. Okay. And, but considering what we're talking about, it is basically at that point a job Aren't we just saying that that it, the college football has become exactly what we've always said? It's a business, and now these players need collective bargaining agreements and the like. Yeah, I think that's what we're still waiting on uh, to to ultimately happen. I mean, I think that everyone's acknowledged that at this point, and I think that obviously the frustrations of it have been expressed mm-hmm. about the the double standards. Yep. You know, on, okay, if we're going to recognize that this is the way they should be treated, then all these other things need to fall into place as well. Uh, so that's what we're really waiting for at the end of the day. Well, if we're going to ask them to dedicate as much as they dedicate to this, and then we're going to pretend at the same time, like, oh, well, you know what, uh, really what's most important is you being an ath- a student. Nah. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, if they're going to dedicate this, if they're going to do what we have asked them to do, then why in the world don't we just go ahead and let them be people who get collective bargaining agreements and they become professionals? $10 million in two years playing college football? I'm not against it necessarily. I just, right. you know. And we saw well, with that $10 million, How many wins did you get with that $10 million? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And it's not his fault. I'm not blaming him. He played his tail off. You know, he jumps in the stands and cries with his mom because they can't win. And there are people that made fun of that. Um, I wasn't going to make fun of that. It's a guy who wanted to win. Uh, he would have been better off in Norman. Yeah. He absolutely would have been better off in Norman. He wouldn't have made 10 mil, though, in yeah, Norman. Why not? All right. Uh, something else that's interesting, the college football playoffs uh, and ESPN are exploring starting some bowl games a little bit earlier, which has a potential to mess with something that I don't think any of us once messed with. Yeah, so the college football playoff and ESPN are reportedly trying to mess with Army-Navy in a certain way. One of those ways is that they are exploring starting bowls on the second week of December, which would then uh, interfere quite a bit with the Army-Navy game. Uh, Army-Navy, it's it's set in stone for where it is. You don't mess with that. Yeah, and and they, they understand that in terms of the people that run that game. Uh, the, the ADs for Navy and, and Army have been very vocal that, you know, they have a deal with CBS, they have a deal with each other, they have a deal with America, Rick, that mm-hmm. we should always keep that game set in stone. Yep. I think right now, in terms of how it really messes with it, it ultimately becomes an issue of you're probably going to, I don't know, I guess steal some interest at the end of the day mm-hmm. when it comes to having, um, don't know what that happened. A random ad came up on my phone and it started blaring music. And <laughs> That's I turned, right. I turned off my phone and it's still not turning off. Um, but yeah, I think it would just ultimately take away interest uh, in terms of having you know a battle between LSU and Tulane for <laughs> for a quarterfinal game. All right, so imagine if you are an early bowl game 
uh, and it's not necessarily an early attractive bowl game, and you know your competition's Army-Navy. Mm, yeah. You, you want to play that bowl game? Yeah, because you're thinking about, like, having, you know, the Arizona Bowl or something. That I think that's another issue to have is some of those really low-level bowl games. Mm-hmm. Um Army Navy would ultimately win out that, right? I oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I would think so. There's no question about that. But it's not the only thing they're thinking about changing. They are already discussing a 14-team playoff, which we told you uh, the other day that they were already talking about it. The new format that's just being talked about would be the Big Ten and the SEC each getting three automatic qualifiers into a 14-team field. The ACC and Big 12 would each get two. The group of five's best one team would qualify, and then there would be three at-large spots to the highest-ranked teams outside of the automatic qualifiers. So do you do we believe for an instant that Brett Yormark and the Big 12 are just going to go, oh, yeah, that's fine. You guys can have the three, and we'll just take two. You think for an instant – now, there may be enough money to make that worthwhile. You think that's something a guy like Brett Yormark is going to go sure and jump on board? I don't really think so. I mean, I, I, I I'm not sure. I, I think that he's going to do whatever he can to just bring uh, security to his conference, right? Well, and then if you're a group of five, you're going to give everybody else all this, and you get one. So yeah. once again, we are just saying, just split this up, mm. and let's just <laughs> stop pretending. Let's just stop acting as though you care about the other group because you don't. You know, you just don't. You, 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 you had eight puppies, there's a runt of the litter, and you're going to kick them to the side. Mm. And that's what you're going to do with the group of five. And then when they get to themselves and they can actually maybe compete, some of those bowl games can still be for them. A competition level will be okay for them. The one problem, as we've said before, is whether or not you make that money by going and playing the other guys. But even if you split the two, I don't think it means you can't go play the other guy. No. So if you're competing in your whatever, uh, and they're competing in their whatever, so let's say the bigs and the and the smalls, and so you're going to cross over and play a big, yeah, you can do that, but it still counts against your record. And when you're going to, you know, but you're not going to play them in conference anymore, which most teams don't anyway, uh, even with the kind of movement around. But uh, or or do you change and then say no, you can't play that side? But then if that's the case, how do you make your money? Now, but if you're not playing against them, see, there's so many there's so many yeah. things here. Okay, if you're not playing those guys, do you need as much money? Because that's what we always kind of fall back on, right, is with those smaller schools trying to be able to yeah. cut a check. <laughs> the people who get that $1.3 million check, like New Mexico State, for going and beating Auburn. Hmm. Now, that's not often I get that. Normally, you get that check for going and getting your clock cleaned. But that's still $1.3 million yeah. into your school's coffers that you're going to need and use. Now, if you're not trying to compete at that level, do you not need as much money? I could see how that works out. Well, if you're an administrator, if you're a player, if you're a coach, you're not going to like for that. that. <laughs> right. If you, yeah, you're not. I mean, if so, if you're at UAB, you think Trent Dilfer is going to go or you think Kevin Wilson is going to go, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Let's just take less. But I mean, what are they showing? What are they telling you right here? We're going to give every. We're going to give the bigs the bigs. The haves have more, and we're going to get nobody else is going to look. I'm not complaining. You you end up where you end up. But you're prolonging what's inevitably going to happen. You are, and, and and you're just even more and more and more and more telling the guys that at the top, you're what matters, nobody else does. Yeah. Look, they have they got there, they earned their way there, I'm not arguing with that. I'm just saying I'd like to see us quit pretending.
It's 850 here on the Blitz 1170. He's Bryce Hulse. I'm Rick Corey. We'll close it up in a minute. Got a couple of thoughts and a couple of um, um, texts to get to as well. In the meantime, I want to tell you about Overhead Door Company of Tulsa's commercial division, which is now Overhead Door Company of Tulsa's residential division, too. Well, they're still separate, but they're owned by one family. It's the Frank Sanders Jr. family. Once again, it's under the Sanders name. Now, when Frank's dad came here in the 1960s and brought the family and the business here, he was here to kind of rescue a business that wasn't going very well. And he didn't just rescue it. He turned it around and made it a monopoly. I mean, they just look around any street in Tulsa and you're going to find an overhead door. Well, and then later, the company morphed into doing really focusing on commercial because it is not an easy thing to do. And Frank Sanders Jr. started thinking to himself he'd really like to have residential back, and they have done that. They have repurchased the residential part of Overhead Door Company of Tulsa. So all those decades of experience, all that that workmanship, that expertise that you have had before on your commercial, you can get now at, at home. And, you know, you can have the most basic garage door in the world and the most basic garage door opener in the world. That's fine. They'll fix it. They'll adjust it. They'll tune it. They'll just replace it if you need. Or you can have the kind of garage doors that they have now that make houses look even better and may even add, you know, uh, dollars to it. You can have the doors that are heavily insulated, the doors that are perfect. And whatever that perfect is for you, they'll make happen. It really is cool. I'm so happy for Frank and his family because I know the dedication they show to this. You can find all of it now, commercial and residential, in one place. Go to OverheadDoorTulsa.com. That's all you have to do, OverheadDoorTulsa.com. Download the Blitz 1170 app now inside your cell phone provider's app store. You don't need a radio to listen to the Blitz. From the Oklahoma Sports Desk, it's time for a two-minute drill on the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app. The OU men's basketball team fell to the eighth-ranked Iowa State Cyclones, 58-45. to Rivaldo Soares is leading scorer for the Sooners with nine points. Next up for OU, they'll have former Sooners coach Kelvin Sampson and top-ranked Houston coming into the LNC on Saturday night. And the Oklahoma State Cowboys lost to UCF 77-71. This guarantees a losing record in the regular season for the Cowboys as they fall to 12-16. John Michael Wright led the Cowboys with 22 points. Next up for the Pokes, they'll be at Texas on Saturday. That's the Winter World of Tulsa 2-Minute Drill. I'm Bryce Holson on the Boots 1170 and streaming on the Boots 1170 app. This is the Morning Blitz with Rick Corey. Want to get in the game? Call us up at 918-879-1170. We want to hear from you. We always do. You can also text us at 918-262-5072, the Neuropathy Treatment Clinic of Oklahoma text line, where we had to text here, um, and one of them, one of them, uh, I, I kind of have a disagreement with here, Bryce, and I'm trying to respond. By the way, Jeremy, we can't respond by the text board now. If you try to respond, it just tells you there's nothing there. Um, just Jeremy's in the next room, and unfortunately, every problem goes to him <laughs> that's pretty much the way it works He's it's a good thing you're that like, yeah. tall because as you stack it all up it starts to be about your height doesn't it uh all right so uh, we had one from byron this is come on now with the kansas football relevance talk it's not going to happen he says we've seen these isolated blips before remember boise remember fresno this isn't what college football is here's my difference between those two is kansas is investing a kansas is in the big 12 Fresno's not. Boise wasn't. Kansas is investing. They're investing in stadiums. They're investing in their coaches. They're investing like they're serious about it. Yeah, and we've even seen the blips at Kansas before, like we mentioned with Mangino and others. 
but they, to me, seem more serious. Fresno was serious enough about it, but they weren't in a league where they could consistently make enough money to make a difference. Well, and, and, Bo- and Boise, it's more than a blip when you're making BCS appearances right, yeah. for almost a decade. Yeah, absolutely. Now, have they maintained it? No. I get that. So if that's your point, no, they still aren't there. They lost coaches when Hawkins left, and he was really good there. He goes to Colorado and failed miserably. But they've had yeah. other they've had other problems with coaches. We understand that. Uh, but I do think and, there's a, I do think there's a difference too in commitment there. And they wouldn't, but Boise State wouldn't feel the need to fire their coach after what was he there for two seasons right. if they yeah. didn't feel like they were more than a blip yeah, as well. Right. Yeah. So I mean, I, and I agree. So and I know Jeremy was in there with you, but yeah, I absolutely agree that Boise didn't just go away gently into that good night. They're not as relevant now as they want to be. Mm-hmm. I get that. So if we're talking long term, though, again, I think the money and the league can make Kansas can help Kansas stay there. And then we had another one, and my mind had gone off again uh, that said, hey, Jacob Lacey, the D lineman at Oklahoma, is from Notre Dame. Yes, he is. My mind went back to the defensive back who had transferred. <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, right. Yeah. So, yeah, I thank you, Steve, for that one. Uh, all right, uh, before we go, there's one other thing, and that was, what was it I was going to try to find? Hang on, hang on. Stick with me. I'll, I'll get there, I promise. Um uh, Oh, no, it's Brian Thompson. Yeah. Brian Thompson yesterday uh, was actually officially named Holland Hall's head coach in football. Brian, of course, played receiver at Tulsa. He will tell you the story about how he became a football player. Oh, nice. It had to do with, with girls. Uh, he was a soccer player at NEO. He realized they weren't getting attention and the football players were, so he switched. <laughs> Brian will happily admit that. That, that easy. Huh? It was that easy. And then he became a, a heck of a receiver at the University of Tulsa. He was on the other side from Dan Bitson. And Brian had a lot of big catches. He, he's helped us on broadcast before. He's been out there at Hall and Hall for a long time. Takes over for a guy, Tad Gross, who deserves that happy retirement. And uh, I've asked Brian to be on tomorrow, and he said yes. So we'll talk to Brian tomorrow about yeah. it. I'm, I'm going to have to ask him. Now, you got to have a competition with Teddy, right? With Teddy Owens. Oh, yeah. Now, Teddy's got more games, so he can win more games, but maybe is it fastest to 10? <laughs> <laughs> you have many more chances from mm-hmm. Brian, but we'll talk about that with him tomorrow. Also, we're going to have our beer blogger on tomorrow, Tom Gilbert from the Tulsa. He, he, he writes the What the Ale com- column, uh, and he's going to be on with us because he had a chance to go see and try what I'm holding in my hand, which is eight beer Troy Aikman's new beer. No excuses. Eight beer elite light lager. Bryce has a can. I have a can. I might pop this one tonight. Thanks to Jeremy Poplin for putting those in here for us. That's going to do it for a Thursday. That's other Friday here on the Blitz 1170. Thanks for tagging along. Thanks for texting. Sorry I can't respond there, but I've done it on the air. We'll see you here tomorrow. As I said, we'll have Tom Gilbert. We'll also have tomorrow Brian Thompson. In the meantime, coming up next, Dan Patrick, Rich Eisen, and in the show with Poplin Colby.